friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Little head bob. Welcome to day three of the Timless Tim and Friends, Jesse Rubinoff and Ailish Forfar along for the ride today. So once again, somehow, Ailish has mustered the energy to join us despite four straight hours on the fan morning show, including the fourth hour, which is now the Ailish hour. Nonetheless, here she is. Yes, Welcome. thank you so much. On Wednesdays, we wear pink as well. Yeah. If a mean girls reference uh, um, for all my ladies out there. I, I do remember asking you which pocket square I should wear today. Yeah. And you started off by giving me I had an orange one. But that one's got some pink. No, no, but I had, right. But I had an orange one, and I was like, should I wear this? And you're like, yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. You're like, there you go. You're like, yeah, yeah, wear that orange one. It matches perfectly no. with my jacket. And I was like, you're you're wearing pink. Okay. And my pocket square is orange. Like, is it going to be that kind of day? You're the one that's you putting visine in your eyes okay. seconds before we get on the air. So I yeah. think that we're okay with the, the fashion appearances. The people have been great. coming after me about my, uh, my eyes red being eyes. red. Yeah, but that's just, you know what? This is the way it is. Some people battle this from time to time, and you got to put visine in, in your eyes like Feel 30 good. seconds before you go there. But I feel okay. Uh, we have a whirlwind, or we have already had a whirlwind of a day catching up. Uh, as I understand it, you had your fantasy oh football draft last night. Uh, Yahoo thinks it went pretty sideways for you. And in a much more troubling story, you also had a tea time booked at a golf course for 2 p.m. today oh that you didn't book yourself. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to give the floor to you. Which story would you like to elaborate on first? I would like to elaborate on the golf fiasco that happened. It, it is a fiasco. Yeah. So we all know I take yeah. my nice nap midday to prepare for the double shift that I'm pulling know, here, putting know. the grind yeah. in. Yeah. And I woke up to an email on my phone that said, like, thank you for booking a tea time today. And I'm like, I didn't book a tea time today. And at, at the golf course, Cardinal, up in the Newmarket nice area, course. shout out to yeah. Cardinal Red Golf Club. Yep, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Says my name, it says three guests, says that it's paid. I'm like, oh no. So I called them. I said, guys, like, I would love to come golf, but I'm not um, currently coming. And he goes, are you Ailish? And I said, yeah. And he's like, oh, I listen to the show every morning. It was go. very lovely. So shout out to the lovely man on the phone. But somebody booked a tea time under my name, and I didn't get to go. So, like, thank you, but also that's really unfortunate. Well, now uh, I want to golf. <laughs> did you call the credit card company and figure it no, out? No, the refund. They said just from the yeah, no, so someone watching the show right now could be like the one who booked the golf yeah. course outing Whoever's on your behalf. Yeah, trying to scam me, I'm on to it. Yeah, yikes! That's a big yikes <laughs> for me. I think we're gonna have to get it. Was it a visa? We're gonna have to call Visa during the commercial no, break no. and get to the bottom. I didn't know you hadn't called the credit card company. Yet, no, so I didn't I, need to. Okay, fine. Here's who's coming up today. We got Carolyn Cameron live from Flushing Meadows ahead of Serena Williams second round matchup. The Athletics Haley Salvian from Denmark. Woo. On the Women's World Championships, Dan Schulman from the Rogers Center, Danielle Michelle ahead of the Jays Care broadcast auction tonight, and former NFL executive, now host of the GM Shuffle podcast, Michael Lombardi. Before all that, as always, it's time for First Things First. First Things First. first. Well, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays will look for their first series sweep at home since the All-Star break and the finale against the Cubs tonight. The Jays won 5-3 last night behind another good outing from Kevin Gossman and home runs from Teoscar Hernandez and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. after being swept by the Angels. Have the last two games restored confidence in the Blue Jays for you? Um, I was always confident on the Blue Jays. Never okay. have I ever wavered from that 
but yes, there are some real positives. I think the team has faced plenty of adversity. The fan base has faced the roller coaster of emotions, mm -hmm. but when they are playing well and they put the puzzle pieces together, they can be this World Series contending team that we have all heard of. But I just need to level it out here. Next level is their slogan. Like, how about just like one straight level of consistent play? I'd yeah, be into that. I mean, that hasn't been the case all year <laughs> long. And I know that you have documented, just like we have here on the show, during your show, like it just feels like it's never ending. And that's what's yeah. been wearing on the fans, I think, to this point, is that we know what the Blue Jays are capable of, yet series after series, it feels like it's always something different. Uh, well, now, so you have starting pitching that has been consistent. Mm -hmm. Jordan Romano is, like, the most valuable player on the Blue Jays and maybe an unsung hero that we didn't really expect to be as dominant as he has been. You got Tay Oscar having a narrative comeback game yeah. last night, which was much needed. Vladdy hitting his, what, 99th home run. So there's there's really good things happening, but it's putting them together in a nice package for everyone. Yeah. They were talking about uh, the moment for Teoscar Hernandez a lot last night on the broadcast, and rightfully so, because he comes back to the lineup. And I just want to go through some of the numbers that had been plaguing Teoscar Hernandez prior to last night. Had a 182 average with just two home runs, seven RBIs over his last 16 games. That includes 16 or 26 strikeouts. Strikeout 15 times over his last seven games. Had an MLB high 23 strikeouts since August the 4th. So it has been a roller coaster for Teoscar mm -hmm. Hernandez. And not just that, but when you look at what happened with him and the run to second base and sort of the fans sort of jumping on him. And I know there was a the narrative about that, that, that he was lazy. Happen. Yeah, the outfield <laughs> catch that didn't happen. But just a response last night, what do you think that does for him? What do you think that feels like for him? Because uh, we're all human, and, and I th I'm sure that people were – now, he heard what some people were saying. Mm -hmm. he, he probably felt that. And you could see sort of the relief on his face last night. No, nobody has a better smile yeah. in all of Major League Baseball than to Oscar Hernandez. And clearly this man is still gutting it out mm -hmm. with the foot injury that's been bothering him for quite some time now. So just you could tell in the dugout. And it started the game before, too, with the rally caps. And there was just a, a refreshing vibe mm -hmm. in the Blue Jays clubhouse, finally. And a lot of that has to do with to Oscar Hernandez. I think that I'm a big believer of momentum. As an athlete myself, you string together a good performance, a good shift, you're like, ah, oh, I'm back, right? Mm -hmm. It really it means a lot to an athlete to, to start getting recognized for hard work that maybe we weren't seeing behind the scenes. Like, I, I know you said that maybe fans were a little bit hard on Teoscar. Mm -hmm. Well, deservingly so, because he should be a contributing member of this team. For, so for him to have yesterday's game, to start rewriting that narrative, you know, post-game he talked to Hazel on the field, and you could tell he was just elated. And he has that wonderful smile, as you mentioned, but tonight is, is building on that. You know, you want to see two consecutive appearances where he's not making defensive lapses, where he's hitting well, where he's the vibes coordinator and, mm -hmm. and bringing that energy. And so I believe once you put one or two or three things in a row, the whole Blue Jays team should learn from that, but definitely um, Teoscar Hernandez can, can continue his upwards momentum. You had mentioned in there uh, Jordan Romano, mm -hmm. and maybe Blue Jays fans didn't know how good he could be. And he comes in last night for his 28th save. He works more than one inning again. That's the seventh multi-inning appearance for Romano. Six of them have taken place with John Schneider as the manager. He allowed, or has allowed, three earned runs combined in July and August. What a luxury mm -hmm. for the Toronto Blue Jays, now knowing that if need be, if need be, 
you can bring in Jordan Romano in critical situations in the eighth inning to get through it. And it doesn't have to be every time. And you would hope that it's not every time because that's not his role. As a closer, usually you only pitch one inning. But to have this guy, it's not coming out of nowhere because we knew he was talented. Mm -hmm. And he had a good year last year. But it feels like he has found something, especially in the last month or so, that has taken him, you said it, to the next level. Yeah, I love it. Hashtag next level. But you know what's really inspiring as a team is Jordan Romano wants to get out there too. Yeah. He's first to say, give me the ball. I want to go close. And another fact that I've, I've been really interested in is that he's now playing more than just the ninth. He's pitching the eighth and yeah, the ninth. He's wanting to extend his outings. And that is such a confidence boost for the team that he's going to go in there and grind an extra out. And you can, you can be consistently relying on him to perform. He's what like maybe the most consistent player on the Blue Jays that we've seen uh, an un underrated MVP right now which is so crazy because you look at this team's record and you look at where they are and you look at what how many wins they're on pace for but you, you'd have a hard time thinking of who the MVP of this team is because there are a lot of guys that are performing well, you could really say well Ross stripling you could say Ross stripling you could say Alec Manoa mm -hmm. you could say last night's starter Kevin Gossman so there are guys that are having really good years, but for some reason, it's been so hot and cold together as a team. Um, they weren't really able to solve Marcus Stroman last night. Mm -hmm. uh, five Stroh innings, show. one earned run, one strikeout. Uh, what did you? What were your feelings seeing Marcus Stroman back on the Rogers Center mound uh, in an opposing uniform last night? You know, I know he's like a polarizing figure, and I don't really way too much into that because I liked him as a competitor. I think he is a pit bull out there. Mm -hmm. When he's playing for your team and pitching for your team, you know he's going to give 100% guaranteed. That's what I like in an athlete. Like He, he has clearly a lot of um, confidence in himself. He loves the limelight and he thrived in Toronto and really appreciated the opportunity he got to be a Toronto guy. He's got family roots here. He's, he's Children were born here. Like you could tell that it meant a lot for him to come back. I had great feelings seeing him back. I'm glad that he didn't, uh, you know, secure the win. I think that we can agree on that. It was good to see him in there mm -hmm. and have a, a pretty good showing. But yeah, I, I remember fond memories of Marcus Stroman. He pitched in a lot of really important Blue Jays games. So he did. Go for him. He did mm -hmm. the bat flip game, the Edwin uh, Wildcuff game, and the Wildcard game. Now mm -hmm. it should be a, a really fun night down at Rogers Center. Our friend Danielle Michelle will be hosting. The annual Jays Care broadcast <laughs> auction. And as usual, there are some amazing prizes up for bid for a great cause. Top of the list probably has to be this. The mm -hmm. fishing trip with Buck Martinez in Key West, Florida. It includes two round-trip airfares and four nights accommodation Ooh. and three days of fishing on a charter boat with Buck. <laughs> and he'll join you for two dinners as well. Um, I also learned in our uh, pre-show conversations mm -hmm. that you are somewhat uh, of a fisher yourself. I am somewhat of a fisher, fisher. myself. <laughs> Is that the proper wording? <laughs> a fisherman, a fisher lady, a fisher. Yes, um, I did provide some some proof of this fact um, from my Instagram. Yeah, you did. There That's it is. Me. Okay, First so of all, check out the you? fit, What though? is that? How That's is that possible? That's a massive lake trout. You reeled that in? That mm, Yes, I reeled that in. It took okay. over 35 minutes, mm -hmm. and I think I pulled every muscle in my arms. <laughs> and this is me also with a, just a mitt full of fish there. Um, I, love, I, love the, I love a good fish in the summer. That is incredible. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you so much. That's very impressive. You know what this looks like? Every guy on Tinder's photo yeah, ever. Yeah, that was a good caption. That was your caption on Instagram. Very well done. Uh, there's also a dinner with Joe Carter that you can bid on for eight people plus Joe at Barbarian Steakhouse in downtown Toronto.
Uh, how about Danny Jansen's full game-worn catcher's gear, uh, plus an autographed jersey and a bat? I th actually think the latter part of that prize mm. is probably the better one. Especially with ringworm going around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sweaty. Maybe they can dry clean it before they send it to you. Uh, this is a good one for the Instagram crowd. A private one-hour photo shoot on the field at Rogers Center for four people, and they'll also set you up with four Blue Jays jerseys. And you can find out what it's mm -hmm. like to be us in the Sportsnet experience with Donovan Bennett. Donovan will take you on a private tour for two of the Sportsnet studios, including the Hockey Net in Canada set and our set here at Tim and Friends, plus a special meet and greet with the producer of this very show, Thomas Dobby. I haven't even got this. Yeah. <laughs> that's, is that really, that's really happening. Uh, so, that. no, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, so that one, we're probably not interested. Uh, you're gonna have to get that one. But if money was no object, Ooh. like if you were saying if you made uh, Tim McAuliffe money. Oh boy, wouldn't that be a dream? Which of these packages would you bid on? I feel like it's an unfair yeah. question to ask considering we just went over uh, how you like to fish. I do like As to a fish. fisher? As a fisher. So, <laughs> which I mean, that's gotta be it for sure. I, and I also think spending any time with Buck Martinez would be just an absolute riot. It'd be a hoot. Um, I would love to maybe show him up in a little competition, but betting odds up. Buck well, versus Salish. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Buck, Buck's got it down pat. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like that's something that he does regularly. Not to say that not to say that you don't. Clearly, you have the evidence to back up your fishing abilities. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to spend time? Yeah, it would with be Buck pretty cool. Like he just, I feel like he has so many stories to tell, and it would be a great. Would that be time. the one you want? Yeah, I yeah. think that's the, the crown jewel of the Well, prizes. we have to all, promote the other great. ones, too. Bid on yeah, all of them, yeah, actually. Yeah, bid on all of them, please. Because <laughs> I'm uh, winning the buck one. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, it is an off day at the Women's World Hockey Championship in Denmark. The quarterfinals go tomorrow with Canada taking on Sweden. Canada finished second in Group A after losing 5-2 to the United States on Tuesday. It snapped Canada's five-game winning streak against the Americans and was their first loss at a major championship since 2019. Hmm, how concerning was their performance yesterday? Everybody pumped the brakes, okay? It's good to lose sometimes. <laughs> this is my positive spin. But the teams are obviously gonna meet in the finals. Like, spoiler alert, they're gonna be there. I think that it's an interesting deployment sometimes between these two teams. You know mm -hmm. you're gonna match up down the road. You've already played a lot of prelim games against each other. You have the rivalry series. Canada just stacked up three gold medals in a row. A little bit of adversity might be good for the gals, you know? But you can't just win everything. How much do you think they're missing um, the big names mm -hmm. that are missing from this roster? And it is pretty significant. Uh, Natalie Spooner is not there. Melody Daou is not mm -hmm. there. So in, in watching this American team that appears to be more balanced, they, they had a coaching change as well, mm -hmm. they seem to be a better team than they were in their iteration at the World Championship and the Olympics of years past. So how much do you think that's hurting Canada's depth when it comes to just their ability to, to roll the lines mm -hmm. and especially that top six that has been so formidable over the years for Team Canada? I think it's pretty difficult to replicate what a Natalie Spooner, for example, brings to this team. But I will say one of the most positive things about this Canadian team is there's so much young talent. Mm -hmm. We're seeing Sarah Fillier, who's going to be potentially the next Marie-Philippe yeah. Poulin, and that's just 22. that's a lot to just say, 22. but yeah. she certainly deserves that type of attention right now. We're seeing Jesse Eldridge, we're seeing Victoria Bach. Um, these players getting an opportunity at this world stage where those spots might not have been as easily to, to slide into without these big names on the roster. So I think that maybe there's a bonus in that. 
I will say that sometimes experience and leadership is really hard to evaluate, and those three players you mentioned have worn the Canadian crest for over a decade. Mm -hmm. They know what it means to compete in these high-stakes games against your arch rival. So there is a little bit of a, a comfort in knowing that a Dau or a Spooner can lead the team in a game like last night's where they were up to nothing and then had five consecutive goals scored against them. So I see a little bit of a give and take. I think it's a great opportunity for the young girls to come up and, and really put themselves on the map as well. I feel like we all know what's going to happen, and it's going to be Marie-Philippe Poulain scoring in overtime to win the gold medal. Like Until <laughs> that doesn't happen, that is my expectation, because she is probably the most clutch athlete that we have seen in years. Yeah, well, I would agree with you. Um, <laughs> and I, if there was betting odds to score the most important goal at every tournament, Marie-Philippe Poulain I love it. would do it. Uh, speaking of Canadians, it's been mm. a great start for Canada at the U.S. Open after going a perfect 5-0 and in the first round. Four of the Canadians are in action tonight at at Flushing, including Rebecca Marino, who's already advanced to the third round with straight sets win. Which of the Canadians has the best chance to make a deep run at the U.S. Open? It's a fabulous question. I know that everybody is waiting to see what Felix Ojeali has seen mm -hmm. when he can break through. It seems like it's he time. is the one that <laughs> most tennis experts have circled from the Canadian contingent of it's not, John Wertheim said this much, as much on the show uh, yesterday, it's not if, it's when for Felix Ojeali-Assimi and wonder when that's going to happen. Uh, I do think that historically the Canadian women have had obviously incredible success at the U.S. Open, so I wouldn't rule out both Layla and Bianca to make a deep run, although they have been dealing with their own fair share mm -hmm. of injuries over the last little while. Uh, the thing that I took away from watching the last couple of days, and I want, I want to get your opinion on this, I'm watching Denis Shapovalov win his, his fifth set last night and throughout the match and this is not you know a shot at Dennis or anything like that it's tennis in general and I get frustrated when I play tennis too but the constant complaining to the box your coaching box is something that just it, it makes it difficult to watch sometimes and I know that it's an outlet for energy and frustration mm -hmm. and there isn't really a game that can be as frustrating as tennis it's one-on-one -on -one, and there's golf? nobody there to support you <laughs> but it's like you're not when you're on a golf course you don't have your swing coach following you around you're imagine like, looking at your caddy well yeah that does you have a caddy sometimes. which helps which mm -hmm. definitely helps um but yeah, i mean again they don't really have that sort of reaction mm -hmm. where you every mistake you make it's like it's almost like it's the coach's fault That's right. and it happens a lot with dennis and we've seen over the past number of years when he had that incident at the Davis Cup mm -hmm. with the tennis ball in the face and then he has had yeah. his own uh, blow-ups with umpires uh, over the last little while so I, I just it's kind of difficult to watch at times you not find that when you're 100%, watching tennis? I feel that I I don't understand the, the, the logic behind it though like I get it if you you are getting you know this IFB in your ear that we're getting saying hit this shot or do this but they're not they're not getting that they just yeah. look to their box and be like well, what, what? It's like, it comes from within. Like, you're the one out there playing. So yeah. a little bit of internal thought process might be best. But I've never played tennis um, other than casually. Casually, but it With is frustrating. Like, even ball. casually, you can, like, we can <laughs> both admit that it's, it's frustrating yes, to play. It frustrating. And you make mistakes and it sucks. And so I, I understand it. It's just kind of a bizarre thing that you only really see uh, in tennis. Second round tonight. Mm -hmm. Are we going to get the same pomp and circumstance that we got in round one from Serena Williams? Because it's going to be better. hard to replicate. They had the, the Gail King and the Billie Jean yeah. King ceremony, and they had the Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey uh, video Look at tribute. That outfit too. And her outfit. 
So you look at what the tickets cost. Oh, yeah. In the first round, it was the most expensive U.S. Open women's match on the secondary market, which is just fascinating. And you wonder what the prices are going to be like tonight. So what are we expecting tonight from Serena? It's tough because I think she's outmatched tonight. Um, but I do believe in a little bit of storytelling and the narrative, the beautiful story of it's the U.S. Open. She has been a champion. This is her last kick at the can. She's got basically the whole Met Gala there in the audience. Everybody's rooting for Serena. I think that sometimes that can give this intangible amount of victory. But it's going to be it's going to be a tough battle for her. She did look like she played some of her best tennis ever on Monday night. Like she was looking great. She was looking like she was in in good form. So coming into it, she won that match handily. She's got the momentum. Stranger things have happened. She's an underdog. She's an I know, underdog. I know you like to sprinkle every now and then. <laughs> Are we looking at Serena at plus two hundred? Like we, what John Worthon made a really good point yesterday too that most times you look at the number two seed and going up against a forty year old and mm -hmm. you think it's jam done. Mm -hmm. But Condovit has some things that I think Serena can. Uh, expose some vulnerabilities that she can expose and just based on the demeanor that Serena brought in the first round it doesn't feel like the same when she was here with the National Bank Open like it feels like she's there to win a bunch of matches she would not, not have just gone one. to this tournament if she didn't think that she right. could perform at the best level because this is it like this is her yeah. lasting legacy is what happens in the next night or two nights or three nights she does have doubles with her sister mm -hmm. which would be really lovely to see her and venus they, they they're doubles dominant but that's not what she's here for right that might be the last match she plays though like if they, if they, unfortunately she loses in singles and she goes out on a high note with venus and doubles but i don't know she wouldn't she's such a competitor she wouldn't put herself in a position where she's not ready to i win. agree i agree a lot of celebrities uh, obviously for that first mm -hmm. round matchup uh tough ticket so if you free of charge, if you could go to any Tim McAuliffe money, if you could <laughs> Tim McAuliffe money again, if you could go to any event, mm -hmm. what would be at the top of your sports bucket list? I mean, I gotta say the Olympic Games. Mm. I would love to just have a unlimited ticket to some Olympic game, from start to finish, opening, closing ceremonies, any event I want to go to. Uh, that would probably be up there, but. I would also like to see Joey Chestnut at the Nathan's <laughs> Hot Dog Eating Competition. I don't think that's that I big want a hard ticket of a ticket to, to get. See. I want a front row to Coney seat Island. to my, well, it's tough. It's tough to get there, pay for my expenses, put me up. I want to see Joey Chestnut eat some dogs. I think I know what the connection is there. You're a big fan of the Looney Dogs. I'm a big Looney Dog right? fan. Yeah. And the, how, the, I heard, rumor has it that a, a lot of Looney Dogs were consumed I, last night. Record-breaking Looney Dogs, okay? So Toronto has come out. They've put the work in. They've expanded their stomachs. They've <laughs> fasted the before headed to the yeah. Rogers Center. And they put in consistently beating their previous record of Looney Dogs consumed. So, I mean, an impressive city to live in. Stuff. Number one fans probably in the MLB. Wow. In Looney Dog consumption, That's, at least. Um, so... How many do you eat when you... So I look at these two. There. These are my kings. <laughs> yeah. Someone crowned them. Um, how many did I have? This yeah. is embarrassing to say on national TV. I had five. Five? You know what? <laughs> I, I, I didn't eat for like the whole day. I was no, going... I res I we had live it. betting odds on it. I was streaming. Like I wasn't going to let my friends and family down. I went in there to, to impress. I respect it, and that's why you're the Looney Dogs number <laughs> one right. fan.
All right, still to come here on Tim and Friends. Is this finally the Buffalo Bills year? We will dive into that with Michael Lombardi and Dan Schulman from the Rogers Center as the Jays look for the sweep of the Chicago Cubs. Haley Salvian from Denmark ahead of the Women's World quarterfinals. It's pretty late in Denmark right now. Poor girl. Uh, and after the break, we keep the tennis talk going as Carolyn Cameron joins us live from the U.S. Open. Next, Tim and Friends, Nailish and Jesse. Let's go. Second round action from the U.S. Open. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino looking to reach the third round of the U.S. Open for the first time, taking on Ukraine's Daria Sneger after taking the first set. Second set, Marino down 6-5, rips the forehand winner. The 31-year-old forces a tie break in the breaker. Marino, that is her 13th ace of the match. Sets up match points. And on the next point, Marino... The big backhand, the Ukrainian puts it into the net. Marino wins in straight sets. 6-3, 7-6, advances to the third round at a slam for the first time since 2011. Amazing story. Like Carolyn Cameron gets to see it all. Yeah, what, what a, a life. job, eh? She's like, oh, we're staying in Manhattan. What a life. Oh, it's no biggie. <laughs> I was hanging out with everyone in the crowd, and Anna Wintour was there, and oh, it's living the dream. Carolyn Cameron joining us from uh, oh, welcome, the CC. U.S. Open. Welcome. I can't even rebunk any of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, okay, why don't we start with Rebecca Marino before we get to uh, the obvious headliner of the situation? Um, Rebecca Marino, like that's pretty significant. Third round at a slam for the first time since 2011. Her comeback, it just continues. That's so great. And afterwards, she said she was shaking, and I asked her, where does this rank emotionally compared to wins just even in the last few years since her comeback? And she said it's it's definitely up there. And she, she got emotional because it's, as she said, all the hard work that she's been putting in, um, not just this season when she's really seen the results come to be, but really over the last few years and even dating back just over a decade from breaking out in 2011, even 2010, actually, when she played Venus Williams at the Australian Open and lost. But Venus afterwards said, now I know what it's like to play myself. And then through leaving and taking a break for her mental health and being one of the first players to ever do that to now being here back in the top 100, back in the third round at a slam. So it's been an incredible comeback and an incredible season and even just a few months for Marino. And you can just tell she's she just appreciates it. She's at that stage in her life. As you said, she's 31 years old, but also just at that stage in her career. And you can tell, too, that she's not happy just with this result. It's, it's still more to come, hopefully, for her in her eyes. Honestly, her story is so incredibly yeah. inspirational. I'm glad that it's getting some light now, even though her, her success on the court is important. But just to see everything she's gone through to get back to here, what's the realistic expectation um, in your eyes for the rest of this tournament? 
I think for her, I mean, it's plenty. It's, it's I think, a bright future, not just at this tournament, but for the rest of the season and even her career, especially on the hard courts. She's got that huge serve. Uh, her grand strokes are so powerful. So these are the courts that she loves playing the most, the North American hard courts. So I think there's a really good feeling that the draw is opening up so much. You've had so many upsets. You saw Simona Halep lose to the qualifier who Marino beat this afternoon. Radicanu's out. Osaka lost last night. So it's opening up, and this is the type of tournament, especially with how the WTA is right now and how wide open it is for a heavy hitter, a big server on these hard courts. I think it's really promising for Marino. It'd be a nice paycheck, too. That's one thing <laughs> no kidding. that I think we don't always think about is today she made $188,000. That's crazy. Tim McAuliffe money. Yeah, that is Tim McAuliffe. <laughs> yeah, like Tim that McAuliffe makes money. a huge difference in her career, yeah. Caroline, you mentioned how wide open uh, the women's draw is. And the door is open for Serena Williams, who looked better, I think, than most people thought she would in round one. Uh, I guess my first question is, are we going to do the whole pomp and circumstance again with the ceremonies <laughs> and the tributes or is that it and it's just tennis starting tonight I don't think they produced enough I think they're <laughs> like out of the video montages they just rolled them all out in the Gail King speech and everything it, there's a real sense on the grounds and people I've spoken to within the tournament that Monday night was the goodbye, it was the celebration, and I think it worked out well that Serena won because she was also more up for it. And now it kind of goes from the moment to the tennis. And that's where tonight's really interesting because you're right, Jesse. she she played her way into that match and got better as it progressed and her serve improved and even her return game. And I was frankly worried about how her tennis would be headed into this U.S. Open because in her comeback after a year at Wimbledon, lost in the first round, was not moving well. Then Toronto, she picked up a win and then she lost to Bencic in straight sets. So that was kind of a mm -hmm. letdown after that opening round win. And Cincinnati, that opening round loss to Emma Raducanu, she lost six love in the second and she was not moving well. So the Serena we've seen at Flushing Meadows looks a lot better already than the Serena we even saw two weeks ago in Cincinnati. So I think that's definitely promising but it's a really tricky matchup against a world number two in Annette Contivate. Yes, she's the world number two, but Contivate hasn't been playing her best tennis since February. So there, there is a door that is open for Serena. You were mentioning um, that she's going to be also in doubles with her sister, which I think is just a really beautiful storyline as well. That's going to be tomorrow, center stage, like big court um, action. What are you looking forward to seeing those two back on the court together and, and you know that little sisterhood connection? Well, and what's so cool about that is, as everyone knows, doubles doesn't get the coverage on television that it should, and it doesn't just get placed on center court unless it's a semifinal or really, truly a final. So the fact that it's an opening round doubles match tomorrow, primetime, 7 p.m. on Arthur Ashe, that just speaks to how big the moment is for the Williams sisters and for the U.S. Open and for tennis and far beyond. But these two... They haven't played doubles together since 2018, so that kind of also speaks of how big this moment is for both of them. There's a sense, and theres I don't have any intel, it's just kind of what people are whispering around the grounds. The question of <laughs> Serena's announced that she's retiring after this tournament, could Venus be retiring as well? And uh -oh. what a moment would that be? I know Serena wants to win tonight, but you can't help but think, imagine if they finish their careers together on the court, a place where they've won 14 slams and doubles, Olympic gold medalists, countless titles. To say goodbye in an individual sport together would be quite something. But again, I'm hypothesizing on the <laughs> Venus uh, side of things, but I think even just for Serena alone, that would be, that'd be very fitting and memorable.
So you're saying we shouldn't tweet out that Venus is retiring. I already uh, tweeted yeah. Oops. <laughs> at Carolyn Cameron said this <laughs> live on Twitter Friends. It's trending. Yeah. Uh, CC, this is um, where Elliot. This is why I can tell how Elliot's probably always freaking out about giving opinions. Like, no, no, this is opinion. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get radioed. It's not an insider fact. <laughs> so yeah, good. No. Um, so I know that you were in the building to watch Denis Shapovalov last night, and I spent the first block or a portion of the first block talking about how I find it I know interesting. Where this is going. <laughs> I find it interesting how tennis players are so emotional, and especially towards their coaching boxes. And you have been around tennis your entire life. Uh, obviously, you know what you're talking about based on every answer you've ever given us on this show. Uh, why do tennis players react the way they react when they play like that? You're not emotional at all, right, Jesse? You are so even keeled. You would never like get emotional towards anyone if you're frustrated. Some do it more than others, and and Shapo is honestly kind of the John McEnroe of this generation, and they do it because. And I heard you and Alice talking about it in the last block before the commercial break. Is there's no one else, right? There's no one else to talk to. So a lot of the times when they're yelling, and you can't always tell on TV what they're saying, they're not yelling at them, as in insulting them. It's more so. Uh, like that was long why am I or why am I not uh, following through on my forehand or why am I so tight or why was I late to that ball so I think it's just an outlet that they don't usually have but I do agree with you that it can be off-putting for some fans and it can also be something that a lot of fans kind of hold on to because in an individual sport uh, you don't really get a huge connection with the player on the court unless they are showing their emotion yeah. so I, I, that's the best answer I have for you, but it's gonna keep it's gonna keep happening, Jesse. So we're gonna you're gonna have to figure Deal this with out. Deal with it, Jesse. Watch and <laughs> Who do okay you get mad it? at when you yeah. play poorly on the court? That's the obvious <laughs> follow-up. She doesn't play poorly. Um, or you, you make mistakes. To Everybody throw makes under the bus. No one. Yes, I do. No one gets more upset on the court than Arash Madani, <laughs> uh, which is part of the fun of playing him. Um, <laughs> I get frustrated, but then I move on pretty quickly. Short term, I'm like a goldfish. Okay. We'll have to <laughs> play and we'll see if thing, that's actually but. the truth. Um, someone that feels like the opposite <laughs> end, like very stoic and composed, is maybe Layla. I think, yes. I think she's very, she's very level-headed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You've seen her in action. Obviously, she's back again this this evening. Uh, what what do you think about Layla's um, ability to make it further in this mm -hmm. tournament than we've seen? Yeah, I still don't know if I've seen enough from her just coming back from that injury in Toronto from the injury at the French Open, the ankle injury. I just don't think I've seen enough of her play to really get an idea of where she is. She just hasn't had enough matches under her belt. She looked good in the opening uh, round match, but it's really, it's unfortunate because when you're coming back from an injury, what you need is match play. But when you're at a Grand Slam, or even if we're thinking back to uh, Toronto, you, you want to win the tournament you want to win those matches to win the tournament but right now even though it's a slam and she's the defending finalist I think it's very much yeah sure I want to advance but I really want to just make sure my my game is set and it, it's Tracy Austin was explaining it on the National Bank Open broadcast that coming back from injury it's not just the physical it's also just the timing the muscle memory the decision making on the fly so that's where again the draw is wide open but I, I can't confidently say where Layla's game is right now she looks to be playing well but it's just not enough big enough sample size sorry to sit on the fence <laughs> she is an underdog in fact uh, in the match in round two uh look hopefully the traffic improves too i know traffic in new york can be uh, a bit of an issue but enjoy tonight um yes. for your sake i hope you don't Tough have to life. sit through the more uh, pomp and circumstance so it's not a four hour or ordeal but uh, have fun the rest of the way thank you for doing this
I was teasing about it, but it, honestly, I hope it's as loud tonight in Ash as it was Monday night because it yeah. was really, really cool. And I'll look out for celebrities and report back to you guys. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> Have fun. Okay, from one country yeah. club to the next, uh, we go to our weekly Golf Ooh. Town giveaway. $200. Uh, all you have to do in this case, this week, uh, what is one club that you need to replace? You win a $200 Golf Town gift card. If you show us the picture of the worst club in your bag, we're going to reverse image search to make sure Ooh, if that's sneaky. actually what it is. Yeah, so uh, all you got to do is reply to this one tweet with your picture, and one winner will be chosen on Friday. And just to give you an idea of the type of thing that we are uh, looking for, um, I was just going through the studio today, and uh, Bagger Vance's club oh showed up somehow. Goodness. So, I mean, if you got anything that's this, I don't want to break anything here, but if you got anything that's this old, like we're talking, look at this thing. Look at this thing. Look at the rust on this stuff. You're going to need a tetanus shot by touching those. Yeah, this is uh, a bit of a <laughs> tetanus shot. It's heavy. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to lift it. Um, I can't imagine this has moved in, I mean, I guess it got to the studio at some point. But and it's lived here ever since. Yeah, I mean, this is what we're looking for, right? Oh, they, I see top flight through the rust. I see top flight through the rust. So they, that means they were what? At least 1970? <laughs> at least? Some of them. They look like 1870, but nonetheless, uh, that's the sort of thing that we're looking for. Because I know that golfers out there, a lot of them have those kinds of clubs that maybe it's your favorite club that you don't want to give away as I make my way over to the corner here. Hopefully this doesn't Maybe the over. person that booked my fake tea time should not be eligible to win this prize, okay? Yeah but, yeah, but we don't know who that is. Well, I'm doing Unless a, they're a viewer of the show and you want to tell they us might that you actually. committed if fraud. If it was you, send us uh, a message, please. Like that's, yeah, that's fraud. Not happy with whoever did that. So. Uh, okay, it was a rough day for Canada yesterday. Yeah, it was. I hate teasing this one, but losing 5-2 to the Americans at the Women's World Championships. We're going to discuss that. Look ahead to the quarterfinals with the Athletics' Haley Salvian. Next on Tim and Friends with Ailish and Jesse. It's always a thrill when Canada plays the United States. Megan Keller, they score! Tipped in front, USA on the board. Now Barnes shot from the point, they score! USA has tied this up 2-2. Eden scores! Lacey Eden makes it 3-2 USA. Tipped in front, they score! Kendall going Schofield. Hillary Knight shoots and scores! Five unanswered goals. Team USA, that will do it. Five to the final. Canada, first loss at the international stage since 2019. I'm not ready to sound the alarms, though. Okay, yeah, right. it's a long way to go still. Our, our next guest, Haley Salvian, over in Denmark. It's like midnight there. She's yeah. putting in the, the grind for us. Yeah, very impressive performance. Hey, Haley. Haley writes for the Athletic. She's been covering women's hockey for a, like you know she's just got got it all down pat. Um, Haley, are we seeing something different about this team, Canada, or just a tiny blip that we don't need to worry about? Yeah, I mean it's a good question. I think we're seeing um, a different team, Canada, and a different team, USA. You know this is not the same. You know two teams from the Beijing Olympics that was really only six months ago. Uh, you know I don't have the number down pat, but you know that that tournament 
feels like it just ended and this is kind of a really unique year in the sense that there is a women's world championships in an Olympic year and it doesn't really happen. It's never happened before. Um, so surprisingly, despite the fact that it's only been about six months, there has been a lot of change. There's a number of really big, um, important players that Canada had at the Olympics who are not on this world championship roster. Natalie Spooner is is pregnant and she's not on the team, although I believe I saw that she wants to come back for the 2023 world championships. Uh, Rebecca Johnston's not here. Melody Dau is not with the team. She didn't attend camp um, for family reasons. Claire Thompson is just, uh, you know, casually set an Olympic record and now she's in medical school. Uh, so there's there's some really big, important players who are not here. There's a lot of talent that Canada left at home, where as you look at the United States side, um, they, they got better than Beijing. They added some new young talent players who weren't on the team last year. Uh, Taylor Heisey is currently leading the tournament and scoring with nine points in her first ever world championships at the senior level. Um, Caroline Harvey was on the team last year, but she's much more confident. She's playing with more poise. She's jumping into play, and, and, and she's such an incredible offensive defender. So we're seeing Canada kind of losing some talent and losing some of that depth up and down the lineup. And we're seeing the United States get an injection of youth and skill and talent. So I think that's kind of what we saw yesterday. I think, you know, is it a blip? I think it's tough to know because I feel like anything can happen in the Canada-US rivalry, especially when there's, uh, you know, a top spot on the podium. It, uh, you know, up for grabs. So is the U.S. the best team in this tournament right now? Uh, they looked like it in the preliminary rounds, but Team Canada has been, you know, the best team in the world for the last two years. They won the last world championship. They won the last Olympics. They're number one in the world by the IHF ranking. So I think we're, we're going to be in for a really good gold medal game if these two teams do end up meeting there, which historically we know that they do. Haley, going back to the game last night, um, aside from the roster changes that the Americans have made, obviously they made a head coaching change as well. So when you look at what happened in the game, did you notice anything about the way that the Americans were playing that was maybe different from the World Championships and the Olympics of the past? Yeah, there's a lot that's different with this American team, and I think John Robaleski is doing a really good job with with the U.S. program. So I think in, in the game yesterday, I noticed an American team that was a lot faster. They played with a lot of pace. Um, they really have active defenders, which is really great. Their D are so smart in knowing when to pinch and when to pull back and, and when to try to keep pushing forward. And we're seeing a much more effective attack from the United States. So I think they've done a really good job in terms of making adjustments to make the U.S. team a lot better. And I oh. guess if you're Canadian at home, you probably don't love me saying that. I was going to say, enough about the Americans. Okay, Haley, like, I, I'm done with them. Uh, what is this Canadian team doing I'm to impress sorry, you? There's a lot of new faces on Canada, a lot of youth, um, some players that just made their, their big international debut. Who are you liking um, on the Canadian roster? Yeah, you know what? It's not even players making their debut. Um, I am happy to see Victoria Bach back on the program, back on the team. Um, I, I don't know if you guys played together. Did you cross over in Mark? Oh, yeah. I'm we sure. were line mates You're and familiar. bench stall mates, besties. Uh, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Well, I think it's been great to see Victoria step in and, and kind of fill that open hole in the third line that Rebecca Johnston lost. Um, you know, Victoria is someone who 
is really fast. She's really skilled and she's kind of on the wing with Blair Turnbull and Emily Clark, who are two, you know, when you think of your, you know, you think of in the NHL, you think of the third lines, the the checking lines, the, the Blake Coleman and the Yanni Gord lines. Um, that's kind of how I see Turnbull and Clark. Like those are the really gritty, really um, good shutdown forwards that can transition from defense to offense and they can provide whatever you need in whatever zone and whatever situation. And I think it's been nice to see Victoria Bach after getting cut from that Olympic team um, slide into that spot. And that line's been, been really great. And you kind of want to see more of that. You know, I think this year the, the problem that plagued the Americans is kind of switched to the Canadians in the sense that we're kind of seeing Canada rely on offense from Philly A or Poulin. So, you know, it's been, it's good to see players like Victoria driving play and, and Jesse Eldridge and Sarah Potomac getting in there. But I do think Canada needs more from their young players because I think that's where the U.S. has the edge right now. You are a wealth of knowledge. It's time for you to get some sleep because we realize it is very, very, very late in Denmark. So enjoy Denmark. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. We'll catch up soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Well, the spotlight on Hockey Canada continues to grow. Earlier this week, the organization's leadership issued a statement in support of CEO Scott Smith and the executive board, and despite the ongoing investigation of Hockey Canada. Today, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau weighed in. Making sure that Canadians have confidence in those organizations is a basic need, and it's fairly clear that both the government and Canadians in general have lost confidence in the leadership at Hockey Canada. And the longer it takes for Hockey Canada to realize that, um, the more difficulties they're going to face. All right, time for a break. On the other side, we'll head down to the Dome as the Jays look to sweep the Cubs. Dan Shulman will join us to discuss the return of Marcus Stroman and the return of the good vibes in the Jays' dugout. Back after this on Tim and Friends with Jesse and Ailish. Chief Dogs back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends. Tim will be back next week for getting sick of us. I'm Justin Rubin alongside Ailish Forfar, co-host of the Fan Morning Show. Um, getting used to this TV thing yet? I like it over here. Do you? I get why Tim, you know, gets the Tim McCall with money and he lives yeah. the luxury life. It's um, nice. There, there have been a few people, uh, Faisal was in here yesterday, Donovan, like, are you feeling like the heat from the lights and it's the stuff that's so going on in here? Like it is a little bit. It, it's gross. It's gross. I don't think we've had anyone use the term gross. But in terms of the heat, other than that, the it's, it's glam. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's very comfortable. But it is like it's really steamy in here. Yeah, it is, uh, to say the least. A full hour still to come on Sportsnet 360, which includes Michael Lombardi on the Buffalo Bills. Just a half hour to go on Sportsnet ahead of Blue Jays Central. The up and down Jays are up again, winning two straight against the Cubs and looking for the sweep tonight at Rogers Center for an off day tomorrow. As mentioned, Blue Jays Central comes your way at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific on Sportsnet. The pitching matchup looks like this tonight. The Cubs announced their starter only a couple hours ago. Luke Farrell, son of former Jays manager John Farrell, gets the call. He's pitched just seven innings in the majors this season. Meantime, Mitch White starts for the Jays. He was shelled early 
in his last start, but did go five innings. He has an ERA close to six since being acquired by the Jays at the trade deadline. Here's who lines up for the Jays and for the sweep in this series. George Springer in center and leading off, Vladdy will DH. Alejandro Kirk will catch and clean up. Bo back in the five hall. Teoscar Hernandez hot right now, but down to the seventh spot. <laughs> Kevin Biggio plays first, and Whit Merrifield, welcome back, is at second. Despite a bad outing, uh, John Schneider loves what he's seeing from the team starter, Mitch White. Composure, stuff, competitiveness, everything. Um, I think he was a little bit unlucky um, his last start, and um, you know, both had some balls in play and just some, a couple mistakes, but. Um, I like his I like his overall demeanor and consistency, and you know what you're going to get. You know what kind of um, effort you're going to get every time. So um, can't ask for much more than that as a manager. Very special night at the Rogers Center with the Jays Care Foundation broadcast auctioning happening tonight as a part of the Jays and Cubs on Sportsnet. Some fantastic items to bid on throughout the game. In fact, the bidding is already open. I've been bidding on the computer. Danielle Michelle will join the uh, host the auction, and she'll check in with us a little later on the show. Wait, during the show or during commercial I'm breaks? trying to win that Buck Martinez fishing trip, all right? Okay, we'll have to ask our next guest <laughs> about that. Uh, I think people uh, would definitely enjoy a night hanging out in the booth mm-hmm. with our next guest during a Blue Jays game, one of the very best in the business. Please welcome Dan Schulman back of the show. Mr. Tolman, are you allowed to uh, bid on the Buck Martinez fishing outing? <laughs> is that in the cards or is that not allowed because of, you know, you work for a company? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. I'm going to look at some of the auctions. <laughs> I think there are about 17 different prizes. I hear the uh, Buck Martinez uh, fishing trip is uh, soaring to lofty heights <laughs> that people are bidding big, big money for three days down in Florida for what is going to be a great time. Buck knows how to peep, uh, show people a good time on a fishing trip, and it's great. All for Jay's care, obviously. Danielle will do a great job tonight. Uh, it's a fun night. We really enjoy doing this each and every year, and we're looking forward to helping raise a lot of money tonight. What's higher, the amount of money raised for the Buck Martinez fishing trip or the amount of loony dogs consumed at the Rogers Center last night? Uh, I think Looney Dogs. <laughs> Sad as it is, uh, I think Looney Dogs. Well, I, I do know a few weeks ago, I heard they set a new record. I don't know who tracks these things, but there were like 40,000 and something uh, hot dogs consumed a few Tuesdays ago. You know, we had the two guys in the WestJet flight deck mm-hmm. dressed up as hot dogs. I know they put away 30 <laughs> between them last night. So, uh, you know, everybody needs their 15 minutes of fame. Uh, but it was uh, it was it's fun. You know, it, all the you know, the promotions and the raising money and the fun. And it's baseball, right? There's a lot of serious stuff going on in the world. So the more fun yeah. we can have, the better. Well, speaking of fun, uh, it was a fun outing for the Toronto Blue Jays last night. The smiles seemed to come back to the dugout, Dan, especially uh, after Teoscar Hernandez. Yep who had been struggling at the plate, he'd been struggling with an injury, and he has a big swing for the Blue Jays in a big victory. Uh, what do you think that meant for the team, and specifically for Teoscar, who had been struggling going through it a little bit? Yeah, and the great catch, too, right? I yeah. mean, he had been struggling on both sides of the ball. He'd been struggling in the box. He had a couple of moments out in the field that I'm sure he wishes went differently. There was the base running play as well. So, uh, to me, it started with the catch. That was a gr- not a good catch, a great catch. Yeah. And that was a 10 out of 10 effort that he had to make to make that catch. You know, uh, Teoscar and Vladdy, but probably even more Teoscar, when the vibes are good, you can see it on them. But when they're a little bit down in the dumps, you can see it on them too, right? There's no hiding their emotions. So um, 
I think when Teoscar gets going, John Schneider said it today, when he swings at the right pitches, he can be as good as any hitter in the league. And that is a fact. That is truth. I mean, this, is, this guy's a two-time Silver Slugger Award winner the last two years. So uh, if he makes good swing decisions, if he goes up there with a good game plan, if he stays disciplined on that game plan, he's an elite hitter. And I heard Ailish say it. You know, it is interesting. He's down in the seventh spot. You could put him five, Bo six, Chapman seven. You could put Chapman five. You could do it any, any which way you want. But Teoscar Hernandez, in spite of hitting a home run last night, is hitting seventh for the first time since the 2020 season. Yeah. Part of that is Kirk being back in the lineup. But I think what John Schneider is saying without saying is, hey, guys, it's about winning a ball game. Everybody's got to earn their spot on the field and in the lineup right now. So, you know, maybe down there a little bit uh, lower in the order, maybe a little bit less pressure on him. But he looked good last night. And one thing I loved, and, and, and I admit I'm a sucker for this, whenever Teoscar or Vladdy hit a ball to the opposite field, I love it. They are so good at driving pitches away from them to the opposite field. They don't have to pull them to hit them out. They've got tremendous power to right field. I, I love it when that happens. Teoscar Hernandez, number one smile in the league. No question about no it. No question about it. Uh, Vladdy's yes. up there, though. Yes. Vladdy's a, yeah. uh, maybe a 1A, 1B. He got yep. his 99th uh, career home run last night. Wonderful to see him hit the ball off the ground. Um, is that a big tactical thing that's going to need to continue with Vladdy uh, if he wants to keep that offense buzzing? Yeah, I, I think part of it, you know, he he's always been a high ground ball rate guy. Um, last year was his best, i.e. lowest ground ball rate. And if he gets the ball in the air, it's going to wind up in the seats. He hits the ball as hard as anybody in baseball. And it's not like when he's grounding out, he's not hitting the ball hard. He's just hitting it into the ground. So part of it, I think, Ailish, is that they're they're pitching him differently. They're pitching him down a little bit more, and it's obviously harder to elevate a pitch that's down than a pitch that's up. I think he has chased a little bit more this year. Maybe he's tried to, you know, carry the team a little bit if other guys around him were hurt or slumping or something like that. But it, it's uh, – I don't know. You know, I've never hit above anything other than Little League, so I don't know, <laughs> you know, if you try to get the ball in the air, is that going to work? Or then you, do you start thinking too much and you mess up your natural swing? Sometimes I think he should just go – and Buck talked about it last night. Just go up there and hit the ball. Like, you've been elite at every stage of your life. Just go up there and hit the ball. So – um, I think it was great for him also to hit the ball out to right field because, again, he can do so much damage that way. And I don't know if you guys remember, when he went back to the dugout after the jacket and the celebration and everything, he kind of looked up to the roof as if he were saying, like, finally, yeah. thank you. know, he was probably just excited about putting a good swing on the ball, squaring it up and getting it in the air. So, you know, maybe that'll uh, get him going on a good streak coming uh, in the next few days. Well, he was, you know, thanking the powers that be and Blue Jays fans thanking the powers that be for Jordan Romano. And this is just not a normal thing that closers do. It's not often that they come in and work the eighth or at least part of the eighth in addition to the ninth. But we're starting to see that more and more with John Schneider as manager of the Blue Jays. Just how big of a luxury is it, Dan, to have Jordan Romano, especially in these critical spots later in the game, not even just the ninth? Right. Huge. Because they needed him last night. They needed that extra out from him last night. He's like gone total beast mode in the last few weeks. And, and John Schneider loves it. And it's sometimes it's John Schneider saying, big fella, can we get another route out of you? And sometimes yeah. it's Romano saying, I got this. You're not taking me out of this game. Or I can go back out like when it goes extra innings. I talked to Jordan a couple of weeks ago and he said, 
Right now, the way I'm feeling is if I get beat, I get beat, but I'm going to attack. I'm going to go at them with everything I have, every pitch I have, every outing that I have. And what better attitude would you want out of a closer than that, pitching in the biggest situations that you can pitch in? He's also throwing the ball better, I think, than he has at any point this season. Harder, uh, more command, the fastball and the slider, they are both really, really good for him right now. And it is a... It is a huge luxury, and for this team, it's a, it's not just a luxury. They've needed it at right. sometimes. Like if if we go back and look at the four games in which, this month, in which he has pitched more than an inning, if he could only have pitched one inning, how many of those would they have won? I don't. They probably don't win them all. So, you know, they've got a good bullpen, and he's got help in Jimmy Garcia and Anthony Bass. But sometimes guys are down, and you need more out of the guys who are available. And he certainly stepped up last night, and he's been doing it all season long, really. Uh, Kevin Gossman allowing two home runs last night. He's only allowed nine on the season. Just how important has Kevin Gossman been? And sometimes you look at what Alec Manoa has done and the emergence of Ross Stripling. Sometimes it's possible to take for granted what Kevin Gossman has been able to accomplish yeah. in his first year as a Toronto Blue Jays. How important has he been as sort of a pillar for this starting rotation? Yeah, he and Manoa are 1A and 1B, whatever order you want to put them in. And, and, you know, I get asked a lot, let's say it's a playoff series, who starts game one? And I'm like, if it's Manoa Gosman or if it's Gosman Manoa, you're fine. You're in better shape than just about anybody else. And uh, as you said, two home runs, that doesn't happen. He never walks anybody. Strikeout to walk ratio is like 7 to 1 on the season or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. He's had a great year. He's putting up very, very similar numbers that he put up in the National League West last year pitching in the American League East is not like pitching in the National League West and he's basically replicating the numbers that he had a year ago and as we've discussed and I'm sure you guys have discussed on various platforms boy has he had some bad batted ball which is hard to say <laughs> some bad batted ball luck uh, at times this season it just seems like if they play a little over here they hit it over there if they play over there they hit it over here now there's been some hard contact some line drives and stuff like that but I can't tell you how many times I've said and that ball finds a hole. You know, I mean, it's, he's had some bad luck, and he has pitched through it and made adjustments this year, and he competes. Um, and, you know, he's, he's given everything he has. He's been worth every dollar they've spent on him this year uh, and then some. And, and you're right. He's been overlooked a little bit. But uh, to me, he's right there with Alec Manoa, 1A, 1B, atop the rotation. Another pitcher who always competed um, when he wore the blue and white here in Toronto was Marcus Stroman. We got to see him back on the mound last night. What was that little memoration tour and seeing Stro show? Kind of have a, a pretty good inning here for the for the Cubs this time around. Yeah, he pitched well. It, I bumped into him today on my way into the Cubs clubhouse, and we were talking for a while. And I said, "You were pretty mellow last night. I expected a little <laughs> bit more." He goes, "He goes, I'm kind of mellow now." And, and uh, you know, he's three years older. He's a dad now. You know, he's in a very secure place. He got a very nice contract, and, and he does appear to be a little mellower now than he used to be, not in terms of competing any less, just in terms of how much he shows out there on the mound. But at his media scrum two days ago, I guess it was, you know, as, as usual, no surprise, love for Toronto, uh, love for Canada, you know, was rhyming off Calgary and Saskatoon and Newfoundland <laughs> and various places he'd been on Blue Jay caravans and that sort of thing. Um, met his girlfriend here their son was born here uh, so you know you know a lot of good memories uh, I believe his son was born here but it, he calls his son half Canadian he calls himself half Canadian he says I, I feel I'm half Canadian and I'll always come back and visit I'll always come back and, and see people here and it was interesting to see him you know they did a nice video for him on the first night 
and he got a nice ovation last night. Then he went out there and pitched a pretty good game. Blue Jays did a good job to get him out of there after five innings, uh, but he only allowed one run, and he's he's having a pretty nice season for for the Cubs. So it's always interesting uh, when guys come back and and uh, and pitch against guys they played with. And it was funny, like on Monday, big hugs with everybody, and then last night when they get in the batter's box, just like a little. You know, just a little acknowledgement like <laughs> that. Business, That's it. Yeah. That's all I'm giving you now, because now it's time to now it's time to compete. But uh, it it was an interesting night. It really was. From last night's uh, pitchers to tonight's pitchers, it'll be Luke Farrell against Mitch White and uh, Jamie Campbell pointing out not too long ago that uh, John Farrell is now a lobster fisherman in Massachusetts. So uh, times have changed for John Farrell, but yeah. it's going to be an an important evening, you would think, for Luke Farrell, who doesn't have a ton of experience at the major league level. Yeah, and Shane Farrell, Luke's older brother, is the Blue Jays' director of amateur scouting. He's basically the guy who's in charge of the draft uh, every year. The Farrell family is is all around baseball. So Luke has had parts of like five different seasons in the major leagues. He's not a kid. He's 31 years old, but he hasn't had a ton of major league experience. And as David Ross said just a short while ago, the Cubs manager, um, they're not expecting, you know, six innings or anything. Farrell's going to start, but it's kind of a glorified bullpen day for them. So... He could be once through the order like I, I don't you know he'd have to be pitching pretty well maybe to see Vladdy et cetera, second time through I think we're going to see five or six pitchers for the Cubs tonight uh, but I'm sure uh, Luke spent some time here when his dad was the manager here so I'm sure it'll be uh, interesting for him and Mitch White um, you know I know and you guys said it's seven earned runs in five innings his last time out against the Angels but if you remember that was about as bad a defensive game as the Blue Jays have played. All season long, and he had some tough luck. I'm not saying he would have shut him out over five innings, but it would have been a lot less than seven. And so his overall numbers to me don't really tell the story. I think he's been good. His first three were good, and his last one was better than the numbers suggested is. So, you know, kind of same thing. I think the Blue Jays, if they can get five innings, maybe a little bit more, hold him to a run or two, get through the order twice. That's what they're looking for for Mitch White tonight. Bullpen's been worked pretty hard, so uh, every out they can get out of him um, is good tonight. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Looking forward to your call tonight, yeah. um, and we'll catch up with you soon. Good luck with the broadcast auction, too. I hope people are bidding just millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It, it'll be a fun night and a great night for Jay's Care. Good to see you guys. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Uh, time for a break. We'll get you caught up on the afternoon action around the majors next. Ah. Plus a, a visit with our girl Danielle Michaud with Roger Center ahead of the Jay's Care broadcast auction. Back after this. She was a part of the whole fiasco earlier today when you were telling me to wear the wrong pocket square and she was. making fun of my hair and stuff. Yeah. She didn't give too much opinion. Well, afternoon baseball. Astros and Rangers, top one runners on first and second. Trey Mancini singles up the middle, run comes in to score. Houston up one zip, still can't believe the Orioles. Got rid of Trey Mancini. Bottom one, Rangers respond man on Corey Seager. That's his 29th homer of the season. He's having a great year. 2-1 Texas. Top two, Jose Altuve at the dish. Drives one the other way as he is uh, usually wont to do. He's one of the best in the business at that. Goes off the wall. Two-run score on the double. Astros lead 3-2. Top four, Astros bases loaded. Kyle Tucker, another opposite field. This time a single. Two more runs coming to score. Houston up 5-2, currently 5-3. No, they made it a final. 5-3, the Astros win again. What do you know? Jocker. <laughs> pretty good. Pirates and Brewers, bottom seven. Milwaukee up 2-1. Keston Hira, hard grounder. O'Neal Cruz can't handle the hop. 
for someone that hits balls as hard as O'Neill Cruz does, couldn't take it on the other side. It's 3-1 Brewers, next batter. Luis Urias drops in a single. Another run comes in to score. Milwaukee up 4-1, just like that same inning. Johan Ramirez now into the game for Pittsburgh, but he walks back-to-back -back batters with the bases loaded. A less than ideal performance. Two more score. Pirates allow four runs in the seventh, and the Brewers take it. 6-1. Popcorn. That's not Looney Dogs. That's popcorn. Padres and Giants, bottom two. Joe Musgrove strikes out the side, including this check swing strikeout on Brandon Crawford. And not impressed. Does not like it very much. Next inning, Crawford on the field. Still talking, still talking, gone. Third base umpire, Ryan Blakeney. Ejects him. Gabe Kapler out to get his starting shortstop. Yeah, that's baseball in August. People getting frustrated. Top four, 1-0. Padres, two on for out. Brandon Drury hits one deep. Mike Yastrzemski. How about that? The leaping grab. Manny Machado tagged out for the inning-ending double play. Top five now, two zip. Bases loaded, two out. Machado, big swing of the bat. Gets a hold of one, bounces over the wall. Ground rule double drives in two, three RBIs. For Manny, the Padres currently leading 5-3 in the top of the eighth. Well, Baseball rundown. Yeah. Those are a lot of sports. You, you really nailed it. Proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Someone that's much better than you is Danielle Michelle. <laughs> She's at the Rogers Center joining us now for our uh, broadcast auction. How's it going, Danielle? Hello, gang. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped to be with you guys. It's an exciting night here at the Rogers Center going for that sweep, but also the 14th annual Jays Care broadcast auction. So all kinds of prizes to get your hands on, try and bid on them and other things, too. I already got my hands on the custom ace bobblehead, wow. which you can buy online. There's also mystery baseballs, mystery Ooh. baseball bats that are signed. And then there's also the 50-50, which guys, I've had my eye on it out of the corner. It's almost 400,000 bucks. So open the wallets, both of you, I have, and everyone watching Tim and friends right now, because get the money towards Jay's Care Foundation, which does some incredible programs across Canada. Uh, if you could bid on one, of the auction prizes, which one would it be? Ailish, I know which one Ailish did, she said earlier. It's pretty obvious for her, but I, since she's a fisher, but uh, which, <laughs> which, which prize would it be? So I'm obviously hoping that I could convince you and Ailish to both bid with me and try and win the Buck Martinez right. fishing in Key mm. West because that is the prize. I am so pumped about that one. But there's a bunch of other ones. And in fact, the one that stood out to me is dinner with Joe Carter at Barbarians. Mm. First of all, steak dinner. Not going to pass on that. Secondly, conversation. Who doesn't want to pick Joe Carter's brain? Old Smiley. We saw him just these past few days at the 92 celebration. So I feel like he'd have lots of stories to share. Could have a nice glass of red, perhaps. Like It sounds like a perfect night to me. But there's all kinds of prizes as you can see around me some pretty cool ones there's jano's got quite the outfit back behind her to be a catcher like danny jansen like who doesn't want to right like who wants to not imitate danny jansen these days there's a sweet fergie jenkins package to my right we've got some live art going on so it's a happening scene here gang um danielle you, you forgot to mention i think the most important one which is a tour with the tim and friends studio you get to meet the producer you get to come sit right here and press some buttons like this one like that yeah. one i don't know I, i'm surprised you didn't hype that up a bit more 
It's funny that wasn't right top of mind because my good pal DJ Donovan Bennett is your tour guide and he's going to show you around the joint. You can come visit us at Sportsnet Central, you guys at Tim and Friends or whichever friends are in the house. Jesse will be there, I'm sure, hanging out, ready to take some photos with all his fans. Because I see that petition online, Jesse. Get Jesse out of the corner. That guy wants to see you in person, I'm sure. <laughs> so hopefully they're bidding on that prize package. I love it. Well, enjoy tonight. We're going to be yeah. seeing a lot of you uh, during the broadcast and hopefully uh, yes. fans get the prizes that they want. I'm assuming the Buck Martinez one is going to go uh, for a lot of money and it might, may or may not be for sure. who's bidding on it. Uh, but enjoy the night, Danielle. We'll talk soon. Thanks, gang. And uh, hopefully we can raise a lot of money today. So make sure you check out uh, bluejays.com slash broadcast auction. Get your money out there and bid on some of these prizes. It goes to a great cause every dollar that's raised. What a pro. What a pro. What a pro. Get the plug in there. Love it. Love it. Have fun. Uh, Ailish. Mm -hmm. uh, Tonight's game, as we shift gears from the uh, Blue Jays, Jays Care broadcast, mm -hmm. um, Mitch White has been up and down a little bit in his early going here. Uh, what are you looking forward to tonight? I know it's not Looney Dog night, so you can't give that as an answer. But what, what most excites you about the Blue Jays going for a sweep against the Chicago Cubs when literally the weekend, on Monday morning, we came into this show mm -hmm. and it was just like everything was falling apart. The world was ending. Blue Jays fans... You know, they were tweeting there how upset they were all the time. And what do you make about potentially a sweep happening tonight? I think that's the biggest narrative going into tonight is it's time to stop with the roller coaster. Like, mm -hmm. let's flatten out here um, at a high. Let's be able to string together three wins over a team that you should, with no problem, be beating. This is the softer spot of the schedule that we've been talking about. They have very winnable games in hand and very important winnable games. The last thing I want is to be watching that final game at the end of the season thinking they need this is it like this is that remember that feeling that's mm -hmm. not great I would love mm -hmm. to see some some strength in in their wild card race being able to hop up as much as they can put some much needed wins under their belt now and I think that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to tonight is to really just keep rolling look what jump I mean it, it jumps out at you on that board right there the Orioles 10 games left against them nine against the Rays uh, the Jays have separated themselves a little mm -hmm. bit from the Orioles here uh, but I want to show a piece of video. As Jays fans, uh, they love going after Rugnet Odor for obvious reasons, but a Rugnet Odor last night in this game. Okay, look at this. Yeah, yeah, that's not quite a Jose Bautista bat flip, uh, but he definitely pimped it, and uh, yeah. Yeah, not ideal. Uh, I know Jays fans got to love to see that because it just feels like, first of all, he, he's no longer you know, the player that he was, but I mean, definitely not. It's not this. But he didn't hit it out either, so it makes it that much worse. Uh, but he's sort of, <laughs> I think, the face of the Orioles when it comes to Blue Jays fans. Uh, but with that many games against the Baltimore Orioles, like that's got to be exciting because there is some semblance of controlling your own destiny mm -hmm. here, especially with the Blue Jays having separated themselves a wee bit and now three games up on the Orioles. Thing. You want to be able to, as you said, control your destiny. At the end of the season, did you do everything you needed to win? And this, I just missed this during that clip. A douchebag! I know, last time... <laughs> Last time we hosted together, kick you were like off. having an absolute field day. Tim always gets on my case about not knowing the buttons. I know the That's buttons. So just, I'm just not as quick as you are with the buttons, and you're just like a kid in a candy store there. So, uh, yeah, just an excellent job on the buttons. Thank I do you. have to give credit uh, where credit is due. So it's going to be a fun night tonight for the Blue Jays. Again, Luke Farrell, whose dad is now a lobster fisherman. I'm just going to let you. Like, <laughs> I you don't want to interrupt you, but. You, you want to keep going? 
Oh, anything? There you go, Raj. The nice plug as we go to the Blue Jays game. Uh, all right, time now to send you to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. Jamie, Joe, and Caleb all standing by at the Rogers Center as well as the woman you just saw, Danielle Michaud, and the Jays Care Broadcast Auction. As for us, we will continue on Sportsnet 360. We have an NFL preview of the day. Is this the Bills season finally? Yeah. Even though Josh Allen rated 13th on the player poll? Uh, we will discuss that with Michael Lombardi next on Sportsnet 360. It's Tim and Friends, Jesse and Ailish. We are back in 60 seconds time. Welcome back. We continue our NFL preview by talking about the Buffalo Bills, who I didn't get to draft at all in my draft last night. I'm really mad about it. They're knocking on the door uh, the last few seasons, and they came so close to reaching the back-to-back -back AFC title games before. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs One stole it away from them ever, last yeah. year. They return in 2022 with an elite quarterback, which should be a top defense. And so is this finally the year that the Bills exercise their demons? Famous last words. Uh, Anthony Caminiti has more. <laughs> 13 seconds. Since January, that phrase has been seared in Bills fans' minds. 13 seconds. Ugh. Oh my goodness! It's gonna be a 48-yard attempt! The kick is good! One of the biggest heartbreaks you'll ever see ever. for one team. How do you get over such a shocking loss? Well, you come back with a vengeance! It obviously, it, it hurts, you know, you don't like feeling like this. we got to find a way uh, to be better next year and, and to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Yeah, Josh, that's not really the hype soundbite I was looking for. Anyway, so how do you improve on a stellar 11-win season? Well, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and a crew of young receivers on the rise should keep the Bills' offense operating at an elite level. And on the other side of the ball, Buffalo's big go-for-it move in the offseason was signing two-time Super Bowl champion Vaughn Miller, adding him to what was the league's best defense last season. So the pieces are in place for a run to the Super Bowl, and Vegas agrees, making the Bills the betting favorite to win it all. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bills fans, can you earmuff it for me? Only one of the last five preseason Super Bowl favorites have actually won it. In fact, only five favorites have won the Super Bowl in the last 30 years. So it might actually be more of a kiss of death than anything. Now, before I send Bills fans back into a deep depression, I repeat, this team is teed up to win it all and make those 90s losses and the 13 seconds game nothing but distant memories. Bills fans, the suffering may finally be over. Mark Miller, take it away. No, it's the Bills! Buffalo all the way this time! <laughs> again, uh, the man who voiced that very feature will be joining me here on the show tomorrow. Great work again, Anthony Caminiti. Our next guest does some very fine work of his own, former NFL executive, host of the GM Shuffle podcast. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, Michael Lombardi. Thanks very much for joining Thank us. You. I appreciate it. It's nice to be back. Thank uh, you for having me. Our pleasure. So you watch that feature uh, and a very good case for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they are the favorite. Is it finally going to be the Buffalo Bills year? Uh, should everybody be circling the wagons? Well, I, I think, look, they have to go back and embrace the 13 seconds and realize that they had the opportunity to be the best team in football last year. I think they would have beaten the Rams in, a, in the Super Bowl. But last year's behind them. And, I, and I, what I've liked and what I've heard about 
and listened to and watched on tape is the energy, the hunger, the enthusiasm that's coming out of Buffalo. Like, they're just not thinking if we get in, we'll win it. I mean, there's a sense of, I don't want to call it desperation. You know, Bruce Springsteen has a great line in one of his songs, sometimes I can't tell my courage from my desperation. I think they're really courageous. I don't think they're desperate. And I think that courageousness will carry over. The other factor that I love about them is the fact that last year, after that win game, and even though they went to Tampa and lost in overtime, they changed the offense to where, as we're seeing on the video here, Josh Allen became a runner, too. It became the single wing with this guy throwing the football. And they became even more impossible to stop as it went along. So... They're good. They're talented. They've got a quarterback playing at a high level. A lot, a lot to like about their team. Okay, so Josh Allen, obviously, debatedly one of the top two or three quarterbacks in this no league, doubt. somehow was ranked uh, 13th uh, by the players in terms of best players. I, I don't know. Is that just a big thing, a disrespect? Or are they jealous of Josh Allen? <laughs> Well, I mean, look, you know, I think player ratings and the Pro Bowl, sometimes that's so misleading. I mean, when you go play Josh Allen and try to tackle him, and then you've got to defend every blade of grass on the field. I mean, the play he made against Denver in the in the preseason this year where he takes a step, he did everything you shouldn't do as a quarterback, stepped up, stepped back, turned around, and then threw a touchdown pass. You know, he's one of those guys that are just like, don't do that. Oh, thank you. Very good. And, you know, I don't care what the players say. Look, I, what I love about Josh Allen is I started out not liking Josh Allen. I thought his accuracy would never improve. I thought he was never going to be able to be finally crafted to where he can make critical throws on third down in big games with his accuracy. He proved me wrong. He's one of the few quarterbacks in all of football that have ever improved their accuracy. Paul Brown, the great coach of the, of the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, accuracy was something he felt never could change. Josh Allen proved him wrong, proved me wrong. I want to shift gears to another team in the division there. You're looking at the odds right there. So the Patriots plus 475 along with the Miami Dolphins. Now Tua Tungvaloa is someone who has had immense pressure on him basically ever since coming out of Alabama. But now he has a true weapon in Tyreek Hill. So the expectations go from here to here. Is there anybody in the NFL who has more pressure on him than Tua Tungvaloa? Well, he also has the pressure that they picked him ahead of Justin Herbert. I mean, I think if you want to, if they wanted to do that again, you know, that, that carries on. I mean, when you make that kind of decision and your guy hasn't played to the level of the guy that got picked behind him, there's more pressure. Because you know why there's pressure? Is nobody sure Tua can play. Look, Tua doesn't have an elite arm. Tua doesn't have an elite quickness. Tua doesn't have elite size. Tua has very good accuracy. He's never averaged over seven yards per attempt. He opens up against my. He opens up against New England. In two games last year, he threw for 300 yards against New England. The game they won in Miami, he threw for 107. I mean, he has yet to throw the ball down the field. He's yet to stay in the pocket and drive it down the field. His arm isn't great. But they've got great supporting cast around them. They've done everything to make him a good player. Now, can the offensive line hold up? I don't know. Look, Tyreek Hill is one of the best receivers in all of football. He mm -hmm. scares you to death. You drive to the stadium Sunday morning and you're playing Tyreek Hill, you're saying, look, we cannot allow him to get on top of us because he's hard to tackle. What do you see in this video here? His elite quickness. Look at him. He's just running past people. <laughs> and, but I don't think Tua can get him the ball down the field. I think it's going to be a fun team to watch this year. What are your expectations for 45-year-old Tom Brady, who might be on the mass Singer? Is it someone we should be fading this year, or is it just like he's never going to be beat by father time? 
Look, when I went to the Patriots in 14, he was 36 years old. I thought it was coming to the end then. And now at 45, he looks like Father Time has taken a back seat. <laughs> I would never dismiss Brady. And when he came back after the 11-day vacation, whatever he did, that 45-year-olds, you know, have a busy life doing, which we all do. I mean, I'm a grandfather. I got a busy life too. So, But I didn't get 11 days off. But Tommy is is unique. I mean, his arm is better than I've ever seen it. In that game against the Colts, it was sensational. His rhythm, his timing, he's running the offense. He wants to run. He's so competitive. He has something that very few players have. That's called competitive stamina. Everything becomes important the next day. You know, he never rests on his laurels. So I think they're going to be just as good this year. Plus, I think Todd Bowles, second time around as a head coach, he's going to be better. He's staying with the defense. Brady will run the offense. You look at the second-year QB class, pretty good. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. Is there one of those guys in that group that you're expecting to really make a significant leap? Because he, specifically Trevor Lawrence was not what people thought he was going to be coming out of Clemson. He did not have a good year. But whether you chalk that up to Urban Meyer or not, everybody is expecting him to take a little bit of a leap. Is he the one that we should keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, he's the one I'm counting on because I think Trey Lance is a year away from being a good player. You know, I think Zach Wilson coming off the injury, I don't know if he's mature enough to handle the 16-game, 17-game season. You know, I, I, I think Mac Jones is a really good player. I think he proved everybody. Justin Fields is going to play behind a really bad offensive line. Trevor Lawrence has got a guy who's coached a quarterback to a Super Bowl, understands his strengths and weaknesses. He's got to take that giant step forward. Look, when I saw Trevor Lawrence as a sophomore at Clemson, I thought he was going to be the first pick in the draft. That's how much talent he shows you as an evaluator. It hasn't. It didn't manifest itself last year. It had me thinking – Maybe I was wrong on that evaluation. He just didn't throw the ball with consistent mechanics, with consistent accuracy. Mm -hmm. He did nothing consistently last year. Now, look, nobody did anything consistently good last year with Urban Meyer running the program. I think this is a fresh start for him. I expect a big year. Well, you're making me very happy because he's my backup quarterback that I drafted <laughs> last night, um, and I had zero other options. So if you think that he's going to be a breakthrough player, then I'm very happy with my draft um, from last evening. Thank you uh, so much for joining us today. Yeah, Michael, thanks so much. Awesome. We appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. Man, that makes me feel good. Are you going to tell Canada? Did we already tell Canada what your uh, what Yahoo gave your fans? Can I just what, read what the, the quote that it Go was it. presented to me over email? Why not? <clears throat> Is there dramatic music you can play? I don't know. Despite earning the number five overall pick, Ailish drafted a roster that may have difficulty winning. Opponents are likely to enjoy beating her with regularity, as this team is projected to finish 10th in the Sportsnet 590 The Fan group with 10 teams. Ailish is predicted to finish with a record of 1 and 13. <laughs> so we'll have to, you'll have to come back here and tell us when you win the title. This is not what they meant by trust the process. Unless, of course, the process <laughs> is that Ailish spent the season okay. scouting the wire for free agents. <laughs> like, I just got ripped to shreds by Yahoo Fantasy email team who's probably sending this off being like, well, get her. They say that uh, other people don't care about your fantasy team. Yahoo does. Well, all of Canada is now invested. You know what? And yeah, I'm okay with it. Does. I have the lowest grade in the Sportsnet 590 fan group, uh, minus a C minus on my report card. But you know what they say: C's get degrees. Very nice. <laughs> impressed. Uh, Justin Herbert first pick. Uh, it's yeah, fine. I'm fine. Uh, we got last call. We'll wrap things up. Coming up, maybe dig a little deeper into the fantasy team. <laughs> we'll see. C minus. Tough luck.
some footy action for you. Manchester City, Nottingham Forest, Erling Holland coming off a hat trick Saturday against Crystal Palace. 12th minute, Holland back to work. First touch with his left. Beats the keeper, his seventh Premier League goal, 1-0 Man City just like that. Holland's on a bit of a heater. 23rd minute, Holland. Gonna work the neat one-two for the easy tap-in, tying Sergio Aguero and Mickey Quinn as the only players to score eight goals in their first five Premier League appearances. 2-0, 38th minute, more from Holland. Foden, Stones, Holland! hero inside 38 minutes. There would appear to be no limits to what this man may go on to achieve in Sky Blue. Unreal. Holland back-to-back hat-trick sets a new league record with nine goals in his first five games. Man City wins big at 6-0. I've done that in beer league. Oh, yeah. Have you? Mm -hmm. Liverpool, Newcastle, 38-minute Alexander Isak acquired for a club record $70 million on Friday. Scores in his Newcastle debut, 1-0 for the Magpies. 63rd minute. Mo Salah lays off for Roberto Firmino. First time strike gives him three goals in his last two league matches. Ties it at one's late in stoppage time. Liverpool corner, one last chance for the win. Gomez with the header. It's Salah, can't bring it down. Real pinball in there, and he's in. They got it with the last kick of the game. Carvalho turning one point into three. Anfield erupts as it should. 98th minute. Wow. Fabio Carvalho in the dying seconds gives Liverpool the victory. 2-1 the final. I'm having fun. Let's do some more. Yeah. Arsenal. Aston Keep Villa. Rolling. 31st minute. Granite Xhaka. Shot stop. Ball comes to Gabriel Jesus. Scores on the rebound. Gunners lead is 1-0. 74th minute we go. Just 55 seconds after subbing on. Douglas Luiz. Corner kick. Throws it into the back of the net. The Olympico. The Olympico ties it at one. I don't see that every day. That's why these are the highlights That's right. from the match. Moments later, Arsenal responds. Bukayo Saka finds Gabriel Martinelli. Puts it past the keeper. That is the match winner. Arsenal, five matches, five wins this season. Firing on all cylinders. They take it. 2-1. They really gave you uh, all the difficult names in that block. They haven't handed that to me because uh, I'm the rookie. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that's why at all, actually. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you've been uh, crushing it today, I do have to say. Uh, Mets closer Edwin Diaz has become a folk hero in New York, in large part due to his amazing walking mm. song, Narco, by Timmy Trumpet. Uh, I did a reel to this, too, uh, by the way. Just this is my alarm in the morning at 4 a.m. I don't believe that. You know what? I don't... Is it? Yep. You actually commented on my Instagram about that. It's right? my favorite Didn't song you? in the world. Uh, the Mets brought Timmy Trumpet to City Field, and he was set to play Narco Live. Uh, but Diaz never got in the game because the Mets lost for <laughs> the Dodgers. Trumpet did play Take the Edge to the ball game during the seventh inning stretch, and he'll be in attendance again at tonight's game. But did the Mets screw this up by scheduling his appearance through a series with the best team in all of baseball. Yes, everybody in baseball and in the world, <laughs> in the music industry, everyone was waiting for this moment. And I had thought this is going to be electric television. This is going to go down in history. Here he is tweeting out how excited he was. Um, unfortunately, you're playing the Dodgers. So 
the odds are that you're going to get your closer in there were a little slim, unfortunately. But I love Titty Trumpet. Let's get him on the show. Yeah, I, I, I think the Dodgers is actually not a bad way to go. Uh, it's going to be a close game, or you would think that it's going to be a close yeah, game. Cool. But didn't, didn't work out that way. I'm sorry, Mets. I would have rather them know that they were going to put him in, like, you know, a 6-1 game just for fun. Yeah, I don't think they were going to do that, though. Oh, well. WNBA semis are on tonight. Uh, they continue after the underdogs won both game one in both series. The Connecticut Sun lead the Chicago Sky 1-0. And the Seattle Storm lead the Las Vegas Aces 1-0. You can see game two of that series at 10 Eastern on Sportsnet 360. Jesse, which series is most interesting to you? It's Seattle and Vegas because you got a matchup of MVP candidates and former MVPs, uh, Asia Wilson and Brianne Stewart. Uh, Candace Parker and the Sky are obviously looking to repeat as champions. And Candace Parker is putting up numbers. Like people, they're talking about it on the socials, 15 and 15 <laughs> game. And Candace Parker just like just continues her dominance. Uh, the Storm and Aces game, uh, game two of that is on Sportsman mm-hmm. 360 tonight. Uh, so we continue on. Candace Parker, 15-50. Uh, the NFL regular season is fast approaching, and week one will feature two quarterbacks facing their former teams. Russell Wilson and the Broncos visit the Seattle Seahawks, and the Browns host Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. Earlier this week, NFL Network reporter Cynthia Freeland said on a podcast that Mayfield told her, I'm going to bleep them up. But Mayfield disputed that report earlier today. Well, first, I didn't say it. Obviously, I mean, everybody's going to write whatever story they want. There's history that I've played over the last four years. Uh, I'm an extremely competitive person. Uh, everybody knows that. If I wasn't wanting to win, then there would be a, a really big issue uh, of me being quarterback here. So um, I want to win in everything I do. It's, that'll never change. Now, uh, that is not how I phrased it. That's not even what I said. So let's just leave it at that. Uh, she said, he said. Who do you believe? He is eating his words because he he knows that you he, think he, said he it? was trending. He said he said it. Cynthia Freeland's a vet. She's an expert. She's a person I'm making a mistake like that. I had her on my show, so I trust the good lady with all my heart. Baker Mayfield, he's nervous. He's shaking in his boots. Yeah. I wanted him to say it. Well, yeah. Why, why not? Own right? it. That, that that creates an incredible amount of hype. I agree. Before the game, and Baker Mayfield, we'll have to see what he does against the Browns. I mean, regardless. <laughs> Regardless of what he whether he said it or not, he's going to be hyped up and, and ready to go. <laughs> I got I wasn't even listening no, to you because that was disgusting. Yeah. Like some of these are, like, who put these in here? Oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't. Me. <laughs> they go. It wasn't we me. did. Yeah. Um, if you need anything else to get you hyped up for the NFL season, <laughs> check out this viral video of choreography dances from each of the network NFL theme music. Mm. Hoping you'd be dancing. No, that's not. No, no. I I don't. My moves don't go. The last one, though, I will say that last one. A lot of arm movement. We can do that. Like, I I guess. I thought that was pretty good. You just tried it. You just tried it. See, hold on. 
Okay, so there's, oh, this is a lot harder than I I can thought. actually, I could see this so the, coming down the pipeline from Yoshi's <laughs> Instagram. You know what, I might try this. Yeah. TikTok. Well, I'm back on Friday, so maybe by Friday I'll study and we'll have a, we'll do a dance. A dance off. We'll have something or to the Sheepdogs, Tim and okay. Friends intro music. I'll take, that? I'll take it. Which which of these theme songs, theme songs? This is this one right here. It's got a little bit of like a Christmas vibe the to NFL it. Net. The yep. NFL Network, really. Is, I, I like it a lot because it's like, it reminds me of like, I can picture like snow falling and nutcrackers. You didn't get that vibe from that? Not, it, no, not really at all. But I mean, it's fine. That's, that's how it makes you feel. It's all good. Uh, according to reports, Drake and LeBron James are part of a group of investors closing in on a deal to purchase reigning Serie A champions AC Milan. LeBron already has ownership stakes in the Boston Red Sox, Pittsburgh Penguins, Jeez. and Liverpool. If you could own any sports franchise, oh my goodness, which would you choose? Careful with this one. The Toronto Blue Jays, uh, owned by. Rogers. Very nice. <laughs> I'm just being loyal to my employee. So, yeah, you're, so you're, just gonna stay, you're just gonna stay away. From you know what? That's a great question. Um, who would I want to own? A successful women's hockey franchise. Nice. And I would love to drive them to relevancy and money and success for those young women. I think that's a fantastic answer. You know what? I'm gonna toe the company line with you. I'm gonna say the Toronto Blue Jays as well. God, like so answer. lame. Pick like one. This is a hard one to think about oh, your feet. It tastes like a fart. I actually think I would go the 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 way of LeBron. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to continue. Like, are you trying to make process. money? Okay, here's the question: Are you trying to make money? Are you trying to be like a good advocate for the game, growth of the game? Are you trying to take a team from the dumps I know to what success? I, do. I know what I would do. I know what I would do. Sebi, I'd buy an F1 team. Oh my God! Good one. Hey, you know That's who's coming out? Audi's coming out with an F1 team in 2026. I did see that. Is that on the broadcast auction? Because I'm ready. I'm ready to spend. But the issue is you need, like, I mean, you need a lot of money to own anything in any of the major sports. F1, like, the cost, the operating costs for F1. You know who could afford that? It's who? Tim McAuliffe. That's right. Tim, Tim's making a lot of money then. He's probably watching this like, get this girl out of here. <laughs> this just rip me. It wasn't your original joke That's anyway, true. so it's, it's all good. Uh, speaking of money. The Toronto Raptors made a move today, signing forward Josh Jackson. Jackson split last season between Detroit and Sacramento, averaging six points and two rebounds per game. What are your thoughts on this sneaky little move? I love it. I actually love it. Uh, why not is the answer <laughs> that I'll have. The uh, He was a standout at Kansas, fourth overall pick. I think I know his shooting numbers have been down throughout his career. Uh, it's funny, with, with picks that are taken so early in the draft, it just seems like you have to have that drive. And I'm not saying that he doesn't work at his craft, but in this day and age, you either have to be an excellent shooter or an unbelievable athlete. And for Josh Jackson, coming out of college, he was the latter. He was an excellent, excellent athlete. So anytime you can take, an, uh, take a chance on an athlete like that, I think you do it. Why and not? The, the upside is a great place to develop, too. Exactly. The upside is there. They do have the track record of excellent development, one of the better organizations in all of basketball at that. So why not? Maybe he'll make his way out to the Rico Hines camp with the rest of the Raptors and uh, work on some chemistry. God, I can't wait for NBA season to come back. Do you have fun today? I had a blast. And I'm coming back Friday, so um, you guys are obsessed with me. I get it. I <laughs> Are you okay to come back on Friday? I'm ready. I don't have any tea times, but I'll have to tell you that. We're making plans. Well, not yet. Not until somebody <laughs> does it for you. Uh, here's what's coming up on the network today. The Jays and Cubs over on Sportsnet. Yankees and Angels later tonight on Sportsnet 1. It's game two between the Storm and Aces and WNBA playoff action on Sportsnet 360. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. I'll be here with Anthony Caminiti, Galish Forfar, back on Friday.